Hello, it's me, Cara here from The Sleep Method, and I have a cup of tea with me. I hope you are getting a cup of tea or you are on a walk. I remember it so well when I had my son, Jack. Oh my God, I would walk for two hours at a time because he would only sleep in the sling. And it was it was great in one way because I got lots of exercise, but if I stopped or sat on a bench, he'd stir and wake up and then I'd have to walk again. So I'd be walking in the rain all the time. And at one point I would literally be walking three or four times a day just to get him to sleep. So if that is you right now, I'm sending you so much love. Um, please know it won't last forever. Purely because your back probably won't be able to take it forever, but um, I definitely remember that feeling. Today, I want to talk to you about five annoying things about sleep. And you know, when you listen to a podcast and they have like adverts and loads of stuff and like five minutes of content, I really want these to be like if they're short, they're short. But I much prefer to just get to the point um, because I know how busy <laughs> your time is. Um, right. Five annoying things about sleep. Um, when I was writing this list, it was really easy to put them together. The first is that it changes all the time. So it doesn't matter where you are. I think it, in terms of your baby's age, I think the first year is definitely the most changeable. So if you're in the first year, sleep constantly changes. And the fact that it changes all the time is really stressful as a parent because you might get to that point where you're like, yes, I've nailed it. I get it. The routine's down. I know when they're going to sleep. This is good. And then things change again. And there are so many reasons sleep changes, you know, from developmental leaps to illness, teething, change of scene. Sometimes literally the wind changes and babies don't sleep as well. And because there are so many different reasons why babies might not be sleeping, it can feel like you're just going backwards. And the reality is sleep does change. It changes with age. And we probably as parents get a little bit stuck in the methods that we're working. The biggest change I think that occurs in the first year is that between the newborn phase and the baby phase. So when you get to that four month mark and you get that horrible regression because their sleep is changing, often when things ease up from that regression, we go back to the methods that were working before the four month sleep regression. So rocking, bouncing, shushing, singing, walking around, like all these different magical things that worked really well, suddenly don't work as well. And it's actually, it's nothing you're doing wrong. It's because your baby's got older and they are now able to sleep in deep and light sleep within one sleep cycle. So it actually then means it's quite a hard thing for them to do. It's really hard for them to go from deep sleep to light sleep. So when we go to sleep, we fall asleep into, we go from a light sleep into a deep sleep, very, very deep sleep. Then we rouse and come into a light sleep again when we dream. And from there, we go into a deep sleep again. Babies up until this four month sleep regression, and you can't see me, but I'm doing it in sort of like inverted commas. Um, up until that point, they only take light sleep. They take very, very little deep sleep. So when they're now starting to do deep sleep and light sleep, it's really hard. And often what they do is they go from deep sleep and they can't make that transition into light sleep, so they wake up fully. And that's why you get half an hour um, naps, for example. That's why you get really short um, sleep cycles. It's because they're like, whoa, what happened? I used to just be able to do one thing, and now I have to do two things in one sleep cycle. So that's the really, really, really big change in the first year. And then things are changeable because their development is so rapid in the first year. So if you feel like you're on a constant treadmill of things changing, know that there's so much going on under the surface that your baby is 
struggling with in a way you know I know like it becomes such a pain and you just think please sleep um but if you have a baby that's really focused on their motor skills for example you will find anything physical they just want to do it really really quickly they want to do it all the time and that can make sleep really really hard to come by so the first one is that it changes all the time that's my first annoying thing about sleep my second is that babies like your baby probably isn't doing what other babies are doing and if you are the mum of the baby that only takes a short naps only sleeps on you isn't sleeping through the night yet which was me by the way that was me I just kept quiet I sat in the back and I would I'd literally lie I'd be like yeah no um yeah, Jack slept uh, seven till six. Yeah, no, it was great. The reality is he probably fell asleep at 10 and woke up at five. But we do lie to ourselves a little bit because it makes us feel better. It's like innocent. It just, it's it's not there to hurt anybody. It's just to make us feel a little bit better about the situation. And I think it's so hard when you go to toddler groups and now COVID is lifted, we are out and about more. You're around other people more. And it's really hard not to compare your child to another, especially when yours isn't doing the super duper stuff. But I would say, and I see a lot of babies, babies with short naps, babies who aren't sleeping through the night yet, the ones that are relying on feed still, like it's totally normal. But what can happen is we see the one or two babies that are doing things, again, in inverted commas, perfectly, and we cling on to it like that's the norm. And the reality is that isn't the norm. And also, quite often, there's not much parents are doing to help. It's just that they have a baby with the temperament, like an easygoing temperament, who is very chilled out, loves sleep. That is the minority. It's just when we see it, that's we that's all we think exists. And it can be really, really hard. Um, my third annoying thing about sleep is that perfection kills it. When we are striving for perfection we actually kill off sleep because when we strive for perfection, we are constantly worried about sleep. We overanalyze it. We're looking at the clock. We're not looking at our baby. I literally spent my whole life reading a book. It told me when to put my baby to sleep. And instead of actually looking at him, I kind of just listened to the book and the book was wrong. And I didn't realize at the time because I was a new mum. my birth was pretty traumatic. And I, I see a real trend and sort of theme when you have a traumatic birth and if you're struggling to feed sleep becomes that all-encompassing thing that you have to get right and that was definitely me and I think it's very damaging to try and strive for perfection when it doesn't exist especially in sleep so if you're the sort of person that likes structure you like things to be a certain way you like to have some control sleep can feel really uncomfortable because we have very little control over sleep, really. There's a lot we can do to shape sleep. But babies, there's just no guarantee that they're going to do what you want them to do. So when you're striving for perfection, you are going to stress yourself out. And that in turn will stress your baby out. So the best thing we can do is actually um, follow our instinct a bit. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, my third one is perfection will kill sleep. It really will kill it. If we go into this, and I speak from experience, both professionally and personally, we go into it thinking it has to be perfect. We have to get them to bed for seven. And, you know, they're going to only have that one feed in the night because that's what the book says. I mean, I have definitely cried a lot over that kind of philosophy. Um, and if I look back, knowing what I know now professionally, 
I missed out on six months of my son's life, especially. And I say my son because my daughter, who's my second child, I was a lot more, I wasn't more confident because I was struggling too, but I didn't sweat it as much because I wasn't striving for the same perfection as I was because her birth was a lot better. I felt a lot more comfortable, a lot calmer. But with Jack, I, I definitely didn't feel calm. and I definitely felt like I had some work to do to be a, a wonderful mum that was going to get him all this sleep. Um, and it's only in hindsight, I realised that came from me realising that my birth wasn't quite what I wanted and um, feeding was really hard with him. So perfection will kill sleep. Just keep that in mind as you go through your day. Fourth, and this is really annoying, sleep breeds sleep. And whilst that's wonderful, if you have a baby that doesn't really sleep, and then someone tells you sleep breeds sleep, it's really annoying because you're like, well, my baby doesn't sleep. So how am I going to get them to sleep? And that in turn will give them more sleep. It's like a vicious cycle that you have to start breaking. And it can feel really, really tricky and really annoying. Um, but sleep does breed sleep because what happens is, if we look at the science, babies build up sleep pressure all day, which we call um, adenosine. By the time they go to bed, they need to nap. If you imagine, a, I'm not explaining this very well, but if you imagine a pint of beer and the, the throffy head of the beer is your sleep pressure. As babies go through the day, that starts overflowing. And what we do by putting them down for a nap is like we skim the top off that the head of the beer. And if we can keep doing that and we get to bedtime and then go to bed before they get too overtired, so they can go to bed rested, they actually sleep better. They're much more likely to link sleep cycles. When we can't do that and they won't go to sleep, they get more overtired. We can't scrape the top of that sleep pressure off the top of the beer, <laughs> the pint of beer. Um, what happens is they want to take a lot more active sleep when they fall asleep. So instead of going from light to deep sleep, they kind of crash headfirst into light sleep and they stay there and they don't go into that deep sleep. So instead of going light, deep, light, they just go light. And until they've caught up on the active sleep they've missed from the day, they will sleep in light sleep for, they could sleep in light sleep for the first half of the evening. That is why you get lots of early evening wakings. It's when babies are quite often very overtired. So yes, sleep breeds sleep. And the more rested they are when they go to bed, the more likely it is they'll go into their sleep cycle in an orderly fashion, basically, from light to deep to light sleep. When they're overtired, they crash into sleep, they stay in light sleep, which means they're more likely to wake up um, because their sleep is lighter. And they need the deep and the light sleep to really feel restored and to get them through the rest of their night. So annoyingly, sleep does breed sleep. And my last one is that it's annoying, but you really need your instinct when it comes to sleep. So when I work with clients, a lot of what I do is to ask questions and to get to the bottom of what their anxiety or worry is around sleep, because quite often we get content overload. And instead of just tapping into what our gut feeling tells us, it gets squashed by friends and family and Google and books. And what's really interesting is when I did a poll on Instagram about this, I asked, you know, where do you get most of your sleep advice from? Where do you feel the most pressure? And I thought it would be from social media, but it was actually from friends and family. So if you've got friends and family telling you 
do it this way. Oh, in my day, we did it like this. And why are you doing it like that? And oh, this is what I did for my baby. And it really worked. That's all great, but it really squashes your instinct. And you know, you're in trouble when all you do is go to other people and go, what do you think I should do? What should I do? What do you think? What do you do? What? That is um, a clear sign to me that that instinct has just been completely squashed and we need to bring it back. You need to sit in a bit of like quiet if you can, or if you are out walking or you're listening to this on the go, what does your gut feeling tell you you need to do for your baby right now to help them with their sleep? And it might be that you do nothing. It might be like, actually, I don't care, but I feel like I should care because everyone else cares. And actually, I don't care. I don't care if they sleep on me. I don't care if I feed them. And I think that's okay too. Like we just, you just need to take a minute and figure out what it is your gut feeling tells you. Um, But they are my five annoying things about sleep. And as I say, I want to keep these short. So I'm going to finish it there today. I'd love to know what your annoying things are about sleep because, I mean, that's just five. I could probably think of like a hundred if I really sat down and thought it through. But wherever you are, I hope you are having a good day or a good night if you're listening to this in the middle of the night. And I will catch you next time. Bye bye.